0: My name is Raf. Oh, so excited to be here with you all this morning. Thank you for coming to worship with us today. My heart's full already. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little out of breath, but that's that's typical <laughs> for worship on a Sunday morning. Um, Excited, excited to be here with you all. If, you are, if you're new with us, if you're a guest, or maybe, maybe it's been a while or you've been on vacation, we are right in the middle of a series called Behind the Music. It's a worship series where each week we, uh, we, we get to choose a song, and, and uh, we're going to break it down a little bit. We're going to maybe look at some of the scripture behind it, the scripture that inspired it. And, uh, and, and the hope is that through this process, that, that all of us collectively, that God is going to take our worship to a deeper level. That's, that's my prayer. It's been my prayer all week for, for each and every one of you today. So um, today we're, we're looking at the song, Worthy of My Song. The alternative title is Worthy of It All. It's written by Phil Wickham and, uh, and performed with Chandler Moore and, and recorded with Maverick City Music. Uh, and, and so this is uh, one of my favorite songs. Um, together, they, all, they created this song in the, in the heat of the pandemic. Like right in the middle, at the peak of the pandemic a couple, a couple years ago. And, and when you think about it, you can, you can feel that in, in, in some of the lyrics. Um, I love the fact that they were writing this song about God's worthiness and his faithfulness and, and his control during the hardest, scariest, most chaotic and, and, and frustrating times that some of us have ever experienced. Okay, Because it highlights for us that even when the world is in turmoil, even when our lives seem like they're spinning out of control, God doesn't change. He stays the same. He stays the same. But sometimes when life feels heavy, when things get messy, when things get really hard, the last thing we want to do is praise, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult sometimes to be thankful or even bring yourself to, to, to pray when we feel discouraged or, or overwhelmed, let alone to stop and remember just how much bigger God is than our present circumstances. But that's, that's what he calls us to do. That's, that's, that's what he tells us exactly what he tells us to do to praise him in every season of our lives, uh, to, to, to keep our focus on him, to fix our eyes on him when we're on the mountaintop and when we're in the, in the valley okay and, and that's really what this song reminds us to do. I love that Joe pointed out the, the first line of the song, man, it hit me the same thing, same way the first time I, I heard it, uh, I'm going to sing till my heart starts changing. I was like, oh man, like you got me, that's me, that's me right it, And I resonate that resonates with me. Um, and, and, pretty much the whole spectrum of my faith, from, from when I first came to Jesus, uh, before I even actually had a relationship with Jesus, and I was coming to church for the first time because my wife was dragging me there, and I, I, was, I was sitting in those seats, and I wasn't really buying whatever the, the preacher or the pastor was saying from stage, but honestly, I enjoyed the music. I was like, I, I, you know, I, music speaks to me. I can vibe to it. I like it. I was bobbing. I was, eventually, I started singing the words, singing words, lyrics that I didn't quite believe yet, that I didn't really um, mean what I was saying, but I was singing them anyway. And you know what happened over time? God changed my heart. And that's one of the things God used to draw me closer to him. One of the things he's still using. Even, I almost said as an early Christian, even today, I love, I love how Joe, Joe laid it out. Sometimes I walk in here on a Sunday morning and my heart isn't right. Sometimes I come in and I'm not ready to praise and I don't have anything good to say. And, and I'm kind of forcing myself. But by the time worship is over, you know what God has done? He's changed my heart. I worship, I didn't mean it when I started or when I walked in, at least I didn't want to, but by the end of the song, by the end of the worship set, I, I, I mean every word. I'm going to worship till I mean every word. Man, it reminds me of a, a scene in Mark chapter 9, um, verse 24, but is the one we're going to look at, but just to set it up, there's a man who's, whose son is sick, and he's, he actually has a demon, who, who's a spirit, evil spirit who's possessed him, and he throws him into convulsions, and, and, and uh, he has these crazy seizures, and the father says he's even tried to uh, kill, kill himself multiple times as a result. So he comes to the disciples, and he's like asking them for help, and the disciples are trying to cast out this demon. They're trying to heal this boy, and they can't do it, and there's this big commotion, and they're all frustrated, and Jesus shows up and says, hey, what's going on? And the father says tells Jesus what's going on with his son. He says, if you can do anything, Lord, please help him, save him. And Jesus says, if I can, don't you know anything's possible for for the one who believes? And the man instantly says, verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, Lord, but I also have doubts. I believe you can do it, Lord, but help me because I'm struggling. I love, I love the honesty in this man. Because how often do we find ourselves in that place? I do believe, Lord, but I'm just not there yet. I want to, I'm with you, but I haven't, I, I need your help in this. And of course, Jesus does, right? It's, 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 I know it's going to be difficult for me, Lord, to give this burden over to you, to trust you completely, God. But I'm gonna sing until I mean it. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna praise you until I believe, and I'm gonna worship you until my anxiety starts to subside and the weight that I'm carrying is lifted in Jesus' name. Why? Because the way that I feel and the fear that i'm facing doesn't change who you are or what you deserve Be- because my circumstances do not change who god is malachi chapter 3 verse 6 god says i the lord do not change so you the descendants of jacob are not destroyed hebrews 13 verse 8 jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever god is consistent he's consistent, he's steadfast, he is faithful, he does not change, he can be trusted, and he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy. The song continues with the chorus, I give you, I give you my worship, you still deserve it, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy of my song. It repeats again, and he says, yes, you are, yes, you are, Jesus, you're worthy. Came to ask somebody today, have you ever felt unworthy? any point in your life, maybe unworthy of, of love, unworthy of praise, unworthy of, a, of, of maybe a position or a job that you had, or, or maybe an opportunity that, that, that you were given, unworthy in a relationship? Has anyone, has anyone ever been, felt just in the moment, man, I'm not worthy? I'm not worthy. I know I have. I know I have. I'll share one story. Um, I feel like I need to give a disclaimer because I got some of my students in the room. I'm a student pastor, and so I will say this. Uh, this is a story from my youth when I was a teenager, and, uh, and it's one of those that, that I'm not glorifying what I did in any way. It was wrong. Please hear me say that. Don't do what I did, okay? As a teenager, <laughs> I was in high school, and I, and I remember uh, one of my friends, uh, his parents were out of town, and so we got this idea, let's have a party at his house. And so we invite everybody. We're going to have this big party at my friend's house. I had to tell uh, my parents, I, was, I asked their permission to sleep over at another friend's house, and, and they say, said yes. Now, I'm going to, this is, people going to get mad at me, for my kids are definitely going to get upset. There's a reason, when my kids become teenagers, it's because of me, it's, they're great kids, but because any time I ever did something wrong, any time I was ever get in trouble it was because I was sleeping over at a friend's house. Well, that's not why, but that was, I slept over because I knew I was going to be doing something wrong, so that's why my kids are never going to have sleepovers, but I digress. <laughs> I digress. I'm sleeping at a friend's house. Parents give me permission. We know we're going to a party at my other friend's house. So, of course, we go there, have this huge party. Tons of people show up, people I don't even know. Some, some people bring alcohol. There's underage drinking. A couple of my friends um, got really, really drunk to the point that we're like, all right, he's throwing up. Like, we got to get him home. And so, so uh, a couple of my buddies take them. They're walking my friend home, walking down Main Street in Everett where I grew up. And my dad, who, who comes pulling up next to them but my dad. He pulls up, he sees him, and when he stops, because he sees, like, my best friend pulled over, like, throwing up in the bushes. And so my dad gets out, like, you guys okay? What's going on? Checks on him, lets him finish throwing up, like, helps him up, puts him in the car, and drives him home, and, you know, brings him inside, makes sure he's okay, talks to his parents. He proceeds to go home and call the place where I'm supposed to be sleeping to check up on me, okay? Now, luckily for me, I had just gotten there. I just snuck in the door, the phone rings. They gave me the phone. Hey, I'm just checking out. My dad tells me, this so, tells me the whole story, everything that happened. And, 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 and I'm ready. I'm like, oh, here he comes. I'm going to get it. Like, I'm just preparing myself for the wrath of my father. And then he goes, I'm so proud of you, son. I'm so proud of you that you weren't there with your friends. I'm so proud of you that you made a good choice and that you were where you're supposed to be. And I, just, I mean, he's laying it on, he's just going on and on about how, how much he, how, whatever, just praising me for all this stuff I do not deserve. And in that moment, I'm just thinking, I'm so unworthy. Like, dad, I'm not worthy of this. Now I'm thinking it, I didn't say it. When I tell this story, I get to this point. People are like, so what happened, did you, did you confess? Did you tell him no? Absolutely not. Okay, because as guilty, and I was. I felt so guilty and ashamed, and it was it was tearing me up. But what what was bigger than that was my fear of what my dad was going to do if I told him the truth. So I just held on to it. I ate it. I didn't say anything. Okay, not till uh, years later. At least it was. Uh, it was probably four or five years later. I think I was. Um, you know, f- either a senior or finishing up in college, and I was home, and somehow it came up, I forget, but, but I was just talking to my dad, and, and the story came up, and I did tell him the truth, you know, four or five years later, and he just kind of shook his head, and, you know, he's like, obviously, if I had known at the time he would have gotten in trouble, there's nothing we can do now, but I told him that the shame, the guilt I was walking around with, and just how that, like, I think that's how the conversation came up, and he just said, hey, you need to know something, there's nothing you can do <laughs> that can make me love you any less. There is nothing you can do. Like, I could be disappointed in time. There is nothing you can do that will change the way I see you, right? But for me, that was just a crucial moment in my life where from that moment on, not to say I never messed up again. I messed up plenty of times. But my motivation for the way I did things and how I lived changed because, honestly, I was trying to live my life in a way that was worthy of the way my dad saw me. I didn't see myself that way. I was so grateful that he did, but I was like, man, I'm not worthy, and I want to be. And that became my, my, my motivation. Now, um... I didn't know Jesus back then, right? And, and, and as I look back on it now, um, it's such a good example. It's such a good picture of the gospel, though. Again, I wasn't following Jesus, but I look back now, and, and man, I can see him all through my, my story. In fact, the next time I ever remember feeling uh, that, that same sense of, of unworthiness, that man, I'm not worthy of this, was when I received the gospel, when I came face to face with the love of Jesus and his grace and his mercy for the first time. I was instantly overwhelmed by his grace in the face of my sin. Again, I didn't grow up a Christian or, or going to church. My parents were uh, basically taught us the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated, okay? And, and, and that's it. Try to do the right thing, and, and that's kind of how we were raised. It wasn't connected uh, to, to, Jesus or to, uh, to any particular faith. And, 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 that's what we tried to, that's what we tried to do. But, um, in my late twenties, again, <laughs> through my wife dragging me to church, I came to Jesus, uh, on my, on my own eventually. And, and it was in a wor- worship service like the one we just had where God just kind of brought me to tears. I've shared this story before. But I just remember looking around a room full of people singing, crying, pouring their hearts out to God. And I'm just like the only one like this, like, what are they all doing? Like, what are they? I don't think this many people are faking it, but how come I don't feel what they feel? You know, and, and, and I just sat there and I prayed that whole time. I just prayed. I was like, God, if you're real, if this is real, show me, reveal yourself to me. And he did. It's like in an instant and my heart just flooded and I was so overwhelmed and I was brought to, to tears. And that was the day I gave my life to the Lord. And instantly, almost instantly after that, I felt like, oh my goodness, I'm not worthy. I'm not worried, you know, now that I know you're real, before I was like, well, he might be real, he might not, like, there might be something to it, but everything I knew or heard or believed, which was, I didn't understand the gospel at all, was, hey, if he is real, then I'm out, I'm disqualified already, I've already disqualified myself, so either way, it's not for me. When I realized the truth of the gospel, that Jesus was like, no, no, I came specifically for you. When I had that thought, man, I'm so unworthy, Jesus, he spoke to my heart, I know, that's why I came, that's why you need me. That's why you need me. You can't do this on your own. And this is the gospel, right? The incredible news of our rescue and adoption by God through Jesus. Just want to run through it real quick. The, the, the gospel, right? Romans, uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 3, uh, there's no one righteous, not even one. For all fall short. All have sinned and fall short of the of the glory of God. Okay, meaning that we all have a sinful nature, from the best of, from the worst of us to the best of us, and everyone in between can never be good enough to stand before a holy God in perfect relationship with him. Because God is holy, because he's perfect, he cannot be in the presence of sin. And and, and so Paul would go on to say in Romans chapter 6, for the wages of sin is death. The the price we owe, the cost of our sin is is, is death. It's It's our lives. But God, but God, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, when, when when I came face to face with the love and grace of Jesus, and even in that moment when I still um, you know, would be the enemy would attack me with with my past, with my sins, with shame and 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 guilt, um, it's helpful to, to remember the gospel and what Paul says in Romans 5:8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in the act of of choosing ourselves, of choosing sin uh, instead of God. While I was turning my back on him, he was heading to the cross to take the punishment that I deserved. And now he says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All it takes is you put your faith, your trust in him. You confess that. Therefore, Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation And those who are in Christ Jesus, your sins don't count against you. Your sins no longer count. Jesus paid that debt for you. Again, this is the incredible news of our rescue and adoption by God through Jesus. That by faith, not by works, we can't earn it. But by faith, by putting our trust in Jesus Christ and in his finished work on the cross. And in the power of his his resurrection. Not only are we saved from sin and death, but we've been restored to the family of God and it's the love of the father it's the love of God the father his grace his mercy his forgiveness that should motivate us to live a life worthy of the calling we receive worthy of the gospel worthy of our lord Jesus Christ it's not that we could ever actually be considered worthy on our own in and of ourselves but that he makes us worthy that's what he bought us that's the gift he, he, he procured for us, and we don't have to earn that. It's a gift of grace. It's a gift of grace. We couldn't earn it if we wanted to. And so now, instead of striving to achieve that standing, instead of fighting and working and clawing and failing miserably to, to, to get there on my own, I can just rest in that. I can just rest. In it. I just receive it and rest in it, and now we can live life from that place. That's the motivation. The Apostle Paul described it to the church this way in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened That's good news, y'all. That's really good news. Paul continues, verse 15, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the first over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is why we can sing, y'all. This is why we can sing You're Worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy, Jesus. You're you're worthy of it all. The song continues in in verse 2. I'm going to live like my king is risen. I'm going to live like my king is risen. I'm going to preach to my soul that he's already won. And even though I can't see it, I'm going to keep believing that every promise you made is as good as done. In in other words, I'm going to live my life in such a way that that reflects the truth of the gospel. That that the things that I say and do, the way that I love and lead and treat people, the decisions I make and the things I consume, my priorities, how I spend my time, my money, my relationships are all going to reflect that I serve a risen Savior and his name is Jesus Christ, who not only saved me, but is making me new. Day by day, I'm being transformed by the by the Holy Spirit. And so now, even when I don't feel like it, even even when the the world around me doesn't doesn't reflect it, or when I'm overwhelmed by my circumstances and discouraged by my own shortcomings, I'm gonna preach to my soul. I'm, I'm gonna remember the gospel. I'm gonna remember that your word is true, God, that your promises are true. Okay, that we have victory in you, Lord. I'm gonna give you my worship. Because you still deserve it. You're worthy. You're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy of my song. It starts with the gospel. First and foremost, he is worthy because of, because of the truth of the gospel. But I also want to dig a little bit deeper today. With, with, with the time we have left, I want to explore what else does it mean when we say Jesus is worthy? And when I say deeper, it doesn't get deeper than the gospel, but I just want to flesh that out, that word worthy. What are we saying when we express that to Jesus? When we say you're worthy, what exactly are we saying when we call him worthy, worthy of it all? Okay, here are three things I think we're expressing when we worship Jesus as worthy, and they're all found in Revelation chapter 5. Okay, the first one, Jesus is qualified. Jesus is qualified. Revelation 5 verse 1 then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Just some context here. The book of Revelation is written by uh, the apostle John. He's um, one of, one of Jesus' closest disciples. I love John because he referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loves. Like I love that kind of context. He's right, but it's just like, yeah, that's what I'm going to call myself. I'm the one whom Jesus loves. So he writes us this, this book at the end, uh, 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 towards the end of his life, and it's, it's, it's a vision. It's a vision that God gives him, okay, of, of the end times, of, of what it's going to be like uh, in heaven when, when, when Jesus returns, okay? And so the picture here in verse 1 is of God sitting at, on the throne in heaven, and he's holding a scroll in his right hand, okay? And, and this is no ordinary scroll. We know that because John says it has writing on both sides, which is uncommon. Okay, typically a scroll will be written on the inside, rolled up. You put a, a, a string around it, tied in a knot. They put a wax, seal it. Okay, that's what usually happened. This was, scroll has writing on both sides and it's, it's sealed seven times, it means seven rolls of string wrapped around it, seven knots, seven seals. Okay, so the, so the scroll is different, right? There's something different. It, it, it's, it's special. Now, Natural question. Next question is what's the content of the scroll, right? What's inside? I don't know. (laughs) I wish I could tell you. Honestly, uh, there's a whole bunch of people much smarter than me, Bible scholars who've studied it and who, who disagree. There's lots of theories about it, but I can't say with full confidence what's in the scroll. That's not the most important thing for our purposes today, okay? What's important today is who's worthy to take the scroll and open it okay? So, so in my opinion, I think the best solution is to see um, the scroll as God's will, God's, God's final will and testament, if you would, uh, and, and his settlement of the affairs of the universe. Now, where, why I believe that is, is, is based on the idea that customarily under Roman law in Jesus' day, wills were the only documents that were sealed with seven seals, okay? So that's kind of where that comes from. But again, just opinion. Verse 2, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Remember, the emphasis here is not on the content of the scroll, but on its seals and on the one who was able to take it and open it. Verse 5. Oh, I'm sorry, John here, he's, he's brought to tears. He's crying because no one's found worthy, right? No one's found worthy. So, so I think in his mind, you know, the, 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 um, the fate of, of, of the universe kind of hangs in the balance here. Verse five, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. The lion of the tribe of Judah Okay, the the root of David, these are various uh, titles given to the Messiah in the Old Testament. What these elders are saying to John, he's encouraging John, hey, don't cry. Listen, don't worry about it. Jesus fulfilled these prophecies. Jesus is the one who is worthy. He's victorious. He's worthy to take the scroll. He's worthy to open it. Verse 6, John continues, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne Encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, the Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, it's a lot in there, okay? Because of the elders' announcement, okay, John no doubt expected to see a lion. Remember, he said, the lion of Judah's coming, he can take the, stroll, the scroll, right? And so I'm um, surely John expects to see a lion. Instead, what does he see? A lamb. A lamb, okay? Now. We as humans, right, when we think uh, we want to project symbols of power, we, we think of images of ferocious beasts or birds of prey, right? These are the things we name our sports teams or, or they're the seals on our nation's symbols, right? So, so uh, lions and tigers and bears or uh, eagles and falcons, right? That's power. That's strength, okay? Yet the symbol of the kingdom of, of heaven is a lamb. I just find that interesting. Representing humility, gentleness, and sacrificial love. The lamb, John says, looks as if it had been slain. It's hard to describe exactly what John saw here, but this lamb clearly has the marks of sacrifice on it. The idea being that the sacrifices of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus is still fresh and current before God the Father. This is is a big deal, y'all. Please don't don't miss this, okay? Because it means there's nothing stale or old about Jesus' finished work on the cross, That thousands of years later, it's still fresh as the day he died. That his blood is still being poured out for us so that for every generation, for every new believer who would come and approach the throne of grace, there's still an offering there, a fresh offering there, ready to be poured out, that they can offer God instead. It's a a big deal. Then things get a little weird, okay? Got to talk about it. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes. Okay, now throughout scripture, uh, eyes suggest knowledge and wisdom all throughout scripture. And horns suggest power. Okay, seven is a number of completion, uh, uh, perfection. Okay, and so, so what's happening here is, is uh, seven horns, seven eyes. This lamb has all knowledge, all wisdom, all power, fulfilled completely, perfectly. Okay, but, but, but uh, again, the vision that, that John has here is of a lamb that still has the marks of sacrifice on it, but who is also all-knowing, all-seeing, and all-powerful. He's omnipotent and, and, and uh, uh, omniscious. Uh, words I shouldn't even use them because I could barely pronounce them, but that's what it means, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing, but yet has sacrificed himself in our, in our place. Not a, not a big, strong lion, but a vulnerable lamb with all power, all strength, all vision, right? No created being, was found worthy to take the scroll, but the Lamb of God could. He can take it because only he is qualified. His rank, his character, his ability to take the scroll and open it and thus dictate that the destiny of the universe has been permanently demonstrated by his finished work on the cross. Verse 8, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Just pause right there just because I love that picture. Golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people, communicates to me that God values our prayers, right? That, that, that they're special to God. Verse 9, and they sang a new song, saying, you are worthy, To take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Because Jesus became flesh, lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, and and, and bled on the cross to absorb the wrath of God for the sin of all mankind, he is qualified. He is qualified to take the scroll. He and he alone is qualified. He's the only one who has the credentials necessary to to sit on the throne and judge all the earth. There is is not a being more fit to judge mankind at the end of days than the son of God. So when we say Jesus is worthy, we're saying that he is infinitely qualified. He has the credentials to, to be the sovereign Lord of all the universe. He is the rightful king. He alone is able to rule And he, to him alone, will we bend a knee, will we bow down in submission. Every knee will bow on earth, in heaven, under the earth, because only he is worthy. Number two, Jesus is qualified. Number two, Jesus is deserving. He's deserving. Verse 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. I'm not great at math, but that's a really, really lot. It's a lot of angels. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Because of who Jesus is, And what he accomplished, he is infinitely deserving of all attention, all glory, all praise, all honor on heaven and on earth. In fact, he's the only object that's truly deserving of our worship. Oftentimes, especially in church world, uh, you hear I'm not great at worship. And I think what people are saying is uh, the act of like coming on Sunday morning and singing songs out loud in front of other people, or maybe raising hands or whatever it is. And and there's no shame or judgment. Everyone worships in their own way. And that's totally cool. We want you to know that when you're here. But, but, But I also want you to know worship is more than just singing songs on Sunday morning. And we worship with our lives daily, okay, whether you realize it or not. And, and, and I would say for most of us, right, uh, um, we don't have a problem acknowledging when a, when a skillful athlete is worthy of, of praise, right? When, 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 when our favorite team, someone on our favorite team does something amazing, delivers a stunning performance on the court or on the field, right? We, don't, we know how to appreciate that. We don't have a problem celebrating that, right? When a, when a, when a talented musician uh, is worthy of praise, when he, he or she performs a, a beautiful song. Taylor Swift, right now, she's on tour going all over the, the country just selling out stadiums. I saw one clip on YouTube of like, it might have been in Foxborough, which made me happy, but in Massachusetts, but um, it was pouring rain. Like from the beginning to the end of the concert, she stayed out. She did every song. They stayed out. They were singing with her, you know, just just the whole time in like thunderstorms. She didn't care. They didn't care. Probably not the safest thing, but people love her for it, right? Nobody had a problem or didn't know how to appreciate that, that performance, right? When a brilliant chef, that speaks to my heart, was worthy of <laughs> praise. When they craft a stunning meal, an amazing meal, a delicious meal, right? I know how to appreciate that. I know how to give them the credit for. We know how to worship, y'all, is the point I'm trying to make, right? We're pretty good at giving our focus and our attention and our adoration to things like these. We know how to worship when we want to. But how much more infinitely worthy of praise is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world and reconciled us to the Father? How much more deserving of our worship is, is He? So when we worship Jesus as worthy, we're saying he is infinitely deserving of everything we have to offer. All praise, all energy, all of our attention, all of our focus, every fabric of our being, every piece of our heart. For all things are from him and through him and to him. He's worthy because he's deserving. He's deserving. Number three, he's worthy because he's Lord. Jesus is Lord. When we express, Jesus, you're worthy, what we're saying, whether you realize it or not, is Jesus, you are Lord. Verse 13, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and on and, and, and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped every creature on the face of the earth and in heaven all at the same time in unison praising jesus you're 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 worthy to him who sits on the throne as i was preparing for this i was reading a comment a bible commentary on the book of revelation and it claims that the central question of revelation is is this who really is lord of this world who really is lord of this world now, almost everyone in the Roman world would have, would have said that the emperor was Lord. The emperor was Lord in Jesus' day, okay? But for, for, for these early Christians, that wasn't the case. They, they, had a, they had a different answer because they knew the identity of, of, of the one true Lord. They knew, they knew the identity of Jesus. They knew the, the only one who was truly worthy to be praised. And this, this passage from Revelation chapter 5, it depicts for us the heavenly acknowledgment of Jesus as the one who is worthy above all others. This is a testimony from heaven. To him who sits on the throne, God the Father, and to the Lamb, God the Son, Jesus Christ, Okay, be all praise and honor and glory forever and evermore. This combined worship of God the Father and the Lamb is testimony from heaven that Jesus is God. That Jesus is Lord. And that only he's worthy. If the highest marker of worthiness is the sacrifice for the sins of the world, then only Jesus is truly worthy. And when we use this biblical description of Jesus, we're pledging our allegiance to him. And we're doing so in a way that puts that allegiance above every other allegiance in our lives. I I remember, I don't even know if they still do this. I should probably ask my kids. When I was growing up, we used to do the Pledge of Allegiance in class, right? Which... um, I still remember to this day, nothing wrong with that. I believe in that. I think it's fine. People might have different uh, opinions. My, my, point is, my point is this, right? When we say, Jesus, you're worthy, our allegiance to Him goes above everything else allegiance to country, allegiance to political parties, allegiance to your, your job or your profession or your finances or your friends, even your family. All must become subordinate, everything must become secondary. All of it must bow down to your allegiance to Jesus Christ. He's Lord. He's Lord. And only he is worthy. He's worthy above all others to receive all power and honor and glory and praise. He's worthy of it all. Amen? He's worthy of it all. And so I'm going to invite the worship team up to to get ready to close us out. And in a minute I'm going to pray and, and we're going to sing that song. Again, worthy of it all. We're going to worship Jesus together. But before we do, I just want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, everyone in the room. Is there anything in your heart that you haven't surrendered to Jesus yet? Is there anything in your mind that you've been reluctant to share with Him? Is there anything in your life that you've been holding on to, keeping it just for yourself, that you haven't let Him in any area of your life? He is infinitely qualified. There's nothing and no one more deserving than him. But if you're going to claim Jesus is worthy, you better be ready to call him Lord of everything. He is worthy. There's no question about it. Make no mistake. But to praise him in this way is to commit every aspect of your being to him, your whole heart, your whole life. And that may mean making some hard decisions. It, it, it might it might mean reprioritizing some things in your life. It might mean making some changes that might be uncomfortable for you to make. It might it might even put you at odds with some people you love or or much of the world around you. But I promise you, it's worth it. He's worth it. He's worthy. He's worthy. So right now, would you just I'm gonna invite everyone to stand with me, please. Would you just take the next 30 seconds? Every eye closed, every head down. Just take 30 seconds right now. You and Jesus, invite him in. Allow him to have his way with you. I'm going to pray this prayer over you and give you a few seconds, but this is uh, David's prayer from Psalm 139. Lord, search me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus, show us right now. Reveal to us what we haven't surrendered to you. Fathers, we prepare to continue to worship you today. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, God, that you, Jesus, that you're qualified. Thank you that, that only you are deserving. Thank you that you are Lord. And right now when we say, when we sing these words, you're worthy, Lord. We really mean it. You're worthy of it all. We want to make you Lord of our lives, Lord of this church, God, Lord of everything we, 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 we say and do. God, I pray you would encourage us and empower us as we leave here today. Uh, to, to to just walk out a little bit differently than we came in because of the truth of the gospel, because of the truth that, that because you're worthy, we can now live a life worthy of you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.